Good morning. Scott Luton here with you on this edition of This Week in Business History. Welcome to today's show. On this program, which is part of the Supply Chain Now family of programming, we take a look back at the upcoming week, and then we share some of the most relevant events and milestones from years past. Of course, mostly business-focused, with a little dab of global supply chain, and occasionally we might just throw in a good story outside of our primary realm. So I invite you to join me on this look back in history to identify some of the most significant leaders, companies, innovations, and perhaps lessons learned in our collective business journey. Now, let's dive in to this week in business history. Hey, hey, good morning. Scott Luton here. Thanks for joining us here today. Welcome to today's edition of This Week in Business History for February 15th, 2022. Hope this finds you well and you've enjoyed a successful start to the year. But hey, it's already midway through February, right? So yesterday was Valentine's Day, also called St. Valentine's Day or the Feast of St. Valentine. It's celebrated in countries around the world. Now there are A wide variety of origin stories associated with Valentine's Day, but one thing is certain. It is big business, and it generates tons of revenues each year for economies everywhere. Here in the U.S., according to data from the National Retail Federation, consumers are expected to spend some $23.9 billion in 2022 on Valentine's Day. That's up almost 10% from last year, some of which of course, can be attributed to inflation. Now think about all the candy, the cards, flowers, and gifts that will be purchased this year. Do you have any favorites or traditions? Let us know. In our household, I'm known as a very practical gift giver. In fact, in one of my first Valentine's Day's uh, gifts to my wife, Amanda, I bought her an umbrella after observing her run through a downpour without one. In my mind, it was a perfect solution for her problem, but Amanda didn't exactly see it the same way. Even pets get in on the action. Did you know that 27.6 million American households gave their dogs a Valentine's Day present in 2020? And another 17.1 million households also got one for their cats, too. On today's episode, we're going to be diving into the business of Valentine's Day. So stay tuned for intriguing aspects about this annual holiday celebrated around the world. And hey, before we move forward, be sure to take a moment to offer a review of our podcast and subscribe so you don't miss stories like this one today. Hey, thanks for your support. We greatly appreciate it. And with that said, let's dive right in. So up first on today's show, focused on the business of Valentine's Day, candy sweethearts. Did you remember getting these hard, chalky pieces of heart-shaped candy as a kid? Each one of these pastel-colored candies had a message on them, such as Be Mine, or Sweet Pea, or Dig Me, or even Wicked Cool. And that last one was a tip of the hat to New England, specifically Massachusetts, where a company known as Nico made these candies and others for well over 100 years. 
the New England Confectionery Company, better known as NECCO, N-E-C-C-O, was founded in 1901. It was formed by merging several smaller companies that were located throughout the Boston area. Chase & Company, which was founded in 1847, where they joined forces with Ball & Phobes, which had been founded in 1848. And then those two companies combined with Bird, Wright & Company, which had been founded in 1856. No, these three organizations were not law firms or accounting practices. They were all confectionery companies that combined forces in 1901 to comprise NECO. And then just one year later, they built a plant in the Fort Point South Boston waterfront area of the city in 1902, which at the time was the largest plant in the United States that was entirely dedicated to confectionery production. The company would later move to Cambridge in 1927 as business was booming. That Massachusetts Avenue plant right there in Cambridge would become the largest candy factory in the world in the late 1920s. But when it comes to these chalky candy conversation hearts, Neko would get involved via its acquisition of Stark Candy Company in 1988, which was based in Wisconsin. That acquisition would make Neko the world's largest producer of candy hearts in the world. In fact, during the company's heyday, some 2 billion candy hearts were made each and every year. Some of the other candies that you might recognize that were also made by Neko the Clark Bar, the Mary Janes, which was a yellow-wrapped peanut butter and molasses-flavored taffy, the Sky Bar, and Necco Wafers. Eventually, Necco would move its production facilities to Revere, Massachusetts, and it'd be the area's largest employer. But challenges related to litigation, taxes, and ownership would eventually become insurmountable for Necco, and the company would hit bankruptcy. Initially, the maker of Dum Dum Lollipops, which would be Spangler Candy Company headquartered in Bryan, Ohio. Well, Spangler had planned on purchasing Necco, but the deal fell through, and Spangler would only purchase several of their candy lines to include the Necco Wafer, Canada Mints, and, you guessed it, the Sweethearts Conversation Hearts. All of those transactions went down in the late 2010s. So here in 2022, you can get the original Sweethearts Conversation Hearts at SpanglerCandy.com. New phrases this year largely focus on the theme of words of encouragement, according to Spangler. Some of the new imprints on these little iconic pieces of candy include Proud of You, You the Best, Fearless, and Don't Quit. How cool is that? Up next on today's episode... We're going to move from candy hearts to everyone's favorite, chocolate. So according to the National Retail Federation, Americans spent some $2.4 billion in 2020 on chocolate for Valentine's Day. That's 58 million pounds of chocolate. And 36 million heart-shaped boxes are used each year for Valentine's Day. But where did that start? The heart-shaped box began with a company known as Cadbury which was established by John Cadbury in 1824 in Birmingham, England. Cadbury is famous for many things, such as its chocolate Easter eggs. You may recall some of those famous Cadbury Easter egg commercials. Now, John's sons 
Richard and George would take over, at the time, a dying Cadbury business from their father in 1861. The sons decided to focus the business solely on chocolate, which was really a brilliant move, which produced enormous results. And in 1868, Richard Cadbury came up with the idea of filling a heart-shaped box with chocolates and target those sales of those boxes on Valentine's Day. Well, I think we all know how that turned out. It was a genius move. Now, when you think of famous chocolate companies, another company that probably comes to mind is Russell Stover Candies. Founded by Russell William Stover, who was from Alton, Kansas, and his wife, Clara Mae Lewis, who was from Oxford, Iowa. So after initially finding success in frozen ice cream pies, the Stovers would get into the candy business first by making little treats in the kitchen of their home in Denver, Colorado in 1923. The company would be first known as Miss Stover's Bungalow Candies. Now business was brisk and in 1928 the Stovers would be operating several stores and a factory in Kansas City, Missouri. By 1932, they'd streamline and bring all of the company's operations into Kansas City. By 1943, the company would finally change its name to Russell Stover Candies. In 1960, the company would be purchased by one of its suppliers, Lewis Ward. Now, have you seen the movie Forrest Gump? Well, in that famous scene where Gump says, my mama always said life was like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Well, that scene in that classic iconic movie released in 1994 involved a box of, you guessed it, Russell Stover chocolates. So back to the Ward family. The Ward family would run Russell Stover candies from 1960 until about 2014. And they'd make some really big moves, namely acquiring the well-known Whitman's brand in 1999. I bet many of our listeners have enjoyed a Whitman's sampler, which celebrated its 100th anniversary in 2012. Now, in 2014, the Ward family would sell Russell Stover candies to Lent, a multi-billion dollar confectionery company based in Switzerland. According to fooddigital.com, Lent is the seventh largest chocolate maker in the world. At the top of the list is Mars Wrigley Confectionery, based in Chicago, followed by Ferrero Group, based in Luxembourg. Monolese International, who owns Cadbury, comes in at number three. At number five on the list is the Hershey Company, which sells the most popular chocolate in all of the United States. You know what that is? Well, that would be Reese's, driven undoubtedly by those addictive Reese peanut butter cups. So let's move from chocolates to flowers as we're talking about the business of Valentine's Day. Did you know it's been estimated that 250 million roses are produced for Valentine's Day alone? In fact, Valentine's Day is the number one holiday of the year for florists. This one day accounts for some 30% of all transactions and 28% of dollar volume for the entire year. Roses account for about 84% of all flowers purchased for Valentine's Day. The flower supply chain, or better described 
as cold chain since it is refrigerated and generally temperature controlled, well, this chain may surprise many of our listeners as it's been estimated that 84% of all flowers sold for Valentine's Day are shipped from Latin America. Colombia and Ecuador are two of the biggest flower exporters. Here's a did you know. Did you know that roughly 85% of all cut flower imports enter the United States through Miami International Airport? And talk about efficiency. From harvest to purchase, there could be as few as 10 days in between. That includes activities such as clearing customs, warehousing, sorting, bouquet assembly, and extensive, extensive distribution. And in 2022, due to a variety of factors, unfortunately, some folks are going to be paying nearly twice as much for their flowers of choice. It's pretty pricey this year to stop and smell the roses. So finally today, as we wrap up a show dedicated to the business of Valentine's, I want to touch on what has become known as a Valentine itself, the paper cards that are exchanged everywhere on this annual holiday. So you could say it all began with Esther Allen Howland, the pride of Worcester, Massachusetts, and a figure that has become known as the mother of the American Valentine. While attending Mount Holly Oak Female Seminary in South Hadley, Massachusetts, Howland was deeply inspired by one of her teachers, Mary Lyon, who also happened to be the founder of the school. Now, Lyon challenged Esther Howland and her fellow pupils to, quote, go where no one else will go, do what no one else will do, end quote. After Howland graduated from school in 1847, she received an elaborate but expensive English Valentine from a friend. The fancy gift with a poetic message enthralled Esther Howland. She was absolutely sure to create homemade Valentines for her friends the following year. And they too were delighted with the gifts. Right away, the entrepreneur in Howland knew that she was onto something. But Esther Howland's first true sales opportunity, or better yet, challenge, as it were, was to convince her father and her brother to contribute to the cause. First, Howland needed supplies to make more Valentines. Her father, Samuel E. Howland, was a prominent stationer and printer. He had access to the materials that Esther Howland needed, supplies like lace paper, enough to make dozens of samples of her American Valentines. Samuel Howland complied. And then Esther had to convince one of her three brothers to take her homemade valentines out with him on his next sales trip. Her brother also complied, much to Esther's delight. And when that brother returned, Esther Howland was hoping for a couple of hundred dollars in valentine orders. But he returned with some $5,000 in orders. Esther Howland's homemade valentines were a hit. Now, mind you, Valentines have been used in Europe since at least the 15th century. However, in 19th century United States, those imported cards were often way too pricey for Americans to afford. With all the new orders to fill, Esther Howland went to work. She converted the third story of their family home into a Valentine production line, recruiting many of her friends and school colleagues as her initial workforce. Quickly. Howland would build a business that produced $100,000 a year in revenue, 
that was really big business back in the mid 19th century. And even better yet, Esther Howland would popularize American Valentines from coast to coast. And when she passed away in 1904, a local newspaper would coin her nickname, the mother of the American Valentine. And goodness gracious would that tradition grow. One of the global leaders in the industry, Hallmark estimates that 145 million Valentine's Day cards are exchanged each year. And who gets the most Valentines? Well, that would be teachers, teachers, and rightly so. One final note, some of our listeners may recall our episode here on This Week in Business History that focused on the iconic American roadside retailer, Stuckey's. At their peak, you could find some 400 plus Stuckey's locations across the country, especially here in the Southeast. Now the company, good news here, the company is on the comeback trail led by the founder's granddaughter, Stephanie Stuckey. And the company has always been well known for its world famous candies, such as the marvelous pecan log roll. So I reached out to Stephanie Stuckey for her comments on the business of Valentine's Day. And she shared this, quote, Valentine's Day and candy go together like 4th of July and fireworks. Today, candy amounts to over $3 billion in sales in the weeks leading up to Valentine's Day, besting even flowers as the gift of choice. Stuckey's has enjoyed a bump in sales this year, thanks to folks buying our classic Southern confections, whether it's candy hearts or pecan log rolls. I hope you'll remember those you love today with something sweet, end quote. Nicely said, Stephanie, and congrats on all of the incredible growth and business success as you continue to lead that comeback journey. I'll tell you, Stuckey's is a fascinating story. So folks, you can learn more at Stuckey's.com and it's S-T-U-C-K-E-Y-S.com. Well, that just about does it for this week's special episode of This Week in Business History. I hope you've enjoyed today's show that focused on Valentine's Day, but more from a business standpoint especially on the products that we consumers love to share with our loved ones in February each year. Hey, speaking of gifts, one final suggestion to you. If it ever enters your mind to give your loved one an umbrella as a Valentine's Day gift, just resist that urge and maybe wait till birthday or Christmas or what have you. Hey, thanks for listening. Please let us know what you think. We'd love to earn your review wherever you listen to this podcast. Of course, my co-host Kelly Barner and I hope that you'll subscribe to the show so you won't miss a single episode. We publish a new episode every Tuesday. With all that said, we wish you a wonderful week ahead. Hey, this is Scott Luton urging you to do good, give forward, and be the change that's needed. And on that note, we'll see you next time right back here at This Week in Business History. Thanks, everybody.